If you're strong, you can fly. You can reach the other side of the podcast. It's alright, sit and chill. There's an hour left to fill, and we gotta go fast. That's what so makes sense. GHC, GHC, GH. Say your nuts and train no drinkers. GHC. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the GHC podcast. I'm Nathan, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-hosts, whoa, Grant and Josh. Co-host, from introducing every introducing. Oh fuck, I'm sacked. Ah uh, yes, it. now we're on April uh, Fool's. <laughs> it's right. Saturday night. We've had a few, and we're here to talk about Sonic the yes. Comic today. Wait, did you <laughs> everybody, or did I just talk over it? No, it's okay. The GHZ podcast, as you know, we're yeah, a we podcast about Sonic the Hedgehog. We Ooh. talk about you know the character, the games, the movie, and the shows, and of course the comics, which is our topic today. So, due to that, uh, we are going to be talking about Sonic the Comic specifically, also known as Fleetway Sonic, and it was a comic that was published in the UK from 1993 to 2002. It was published fortnightly and written by authors including Nigel Kitching and drawn by artists including Richard Elson. So, our Mm. guest today is a big fan of this comic specifically and also the character and all that, and so please welcome to the podcast, Lee. Hi, I'm Lee. I'm on the podcast Hi, where nothing can possibly go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grant, you have you have to have a little speaking uh, <laughs> mishap, and then we're all we're hey, we're off to a great start. We're off to the races. We're we're sucking down chili dogs behind the tasty freeze. We're having a good time. Here's my opening question or prompt for y'all, which is so maybe first of all, we should acknowledge that. Uh, We've got different gradients of our familiarity with Sonic the comic, but I'm curious where all of us started in relation to Sonic as a story, Sonic as lore, uh, you know, whether that's the comics, the cartoons, the game story, how much did the story matter to you? How much specifically did the ancillary material like the comics uh, matter to you? And what was, what was your, how did your relationship with that? start because i know for example nathan you we were just talking about how like the story has never really been something that's interested you or been something that is uh, attractive to you about sonic it's more just the gameplay yeah so the primary attraction to me for this franchise was always like the games and the gameplay um that was always my favorite part of it and uh since i didn't have access to like consoles and stuff uh, when I was fairly young, I was only allowed to like rent a Sega Genesis from like Blockbuster Video for my birthday and stuff like that. The games that I would rent from them, and which were mainly the Sonic games, like never came with the manuals or anything. So I didn't have access to that kind of printed material to kind of fill in the backstory and all that. So, uh, you know, like when we progressed to Sonic Adventure and all that, where the story and the dialogue was a much more kind of uh, primary focus in those games. Like, yeah, I was fine and I enjoyed them for what they were, but uh, the lore and the consistency or inconsistencies across the games and stories and stuff like that, I've never tried to think or overthink too deeply about that aspect of it, even though I know there are many of us here who do love those <laughs> aspects. Of the, of oh, yeah. 
<laughs> How about you, Josh? Hello, I'm Josh. Uh, and I'm not going to mention that I did the theme tune because you already know that. Um, uh, for me, Sonic the Comic, which is, of course, today's topic, uh, is uh, my sort of primary um, Sonic outlet, I guess, as a kid. We had the games, um, but you know, you had to really rely on your older brother not wanting the Mega Drive. You know, you wanted to, if you wanted, he wanted some Sonic to dip into, and uh, the Sonic that was mine and mine alone, uh, my precious thing that I could keep for myself. That was the comic. That was my exposure to it. And we had a a, a corner shop just across the road from our house. I remember going across before my mum would buy it for me. Go across and just sit on the floor of the fucking shop reading this thing and i used to go home this is a thing i was i was telling jenny about as i used to go home i could go across to the shop read the comic and then go home and then make my own version of it uh like remember this i'd go across like <laughs> memorize a page go home draw it come back and just do that because i, I didn't have it eventually my mum cracked and uh <laughs> just uh, started buying it for me i think just that she just saw how fucking desperate i was for this thing um, but that was yeah that was my fully my exposure to it so the characterization of sonic in that the world that he inhabited and all that kind of ancillary stuff um that was definitely that was definitely my thing uh yeah of course followed very very closely by the games themselves and and they're not really being a sega saturn uh game that was really worth talking about or um and the comics comics the cartoons uh you know the saturday morning stuff we yeah, I couldn't wait till Saturday morning, and and it might not even be on anyway. So um, yeah, that was my jam, man, my Sonic jam, if you will, <laughs> or even if you won't. So there you sure, go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm my I, also. I'm curious too. You've mentioned before. So where are we at with the? Uh, uh, you have an older brother, right, Josh? Yes. Yeah, is Nathan, that the your brother is older or younger? <laughs> okay. Younger, right? Uh, I am the oldest, yeah. So I have one brother and one sister, both younger than me. Okay. Just curious where we're at with the with the uh, the sibling the si- scale of how that sibling relates hierarchy. to. Yeah. I, I am the I am the tails to my you brother the Sonic. Gotcha. Yes, I was I was the player too. That's that's my, my younger, life. Yeah. So Nathan and I were Sonics. Uh, you were a tails. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. My yeah. My experience was pretty similar, although it was with the Archie comics. The Son- Sonic the comic didn't come onto my radar until maybe uh, i don't know i don't know when whenever i started i guess around 99 or so when i okay. uh, maybe with around the time of sonic adventure and starting to lurk or post on the ghc forum i feel like is when i became aware of that but that that time period that you were kind of alluding to was seems like it was interesting in both uh, Archie and in Fleetway of that like 94 to 98 period where the comics kind of just had free reign to just do whatever else because there was not a lot of Sonic content to yeah, there was to nothing adapt to adapt. Yeah, after a yeah. 3D blast for a while. Um, they created a lot of their own mythology in that time, I think. Yeah, that's where you start seeing like really interesting divergencies in, uh, mm-hmm. between because there's a, what, I, what I noticed primarily in my read through of Sonic the Comic is how many similarities it feels like there are to Archie, even though there's plenty mm-hmm. of divergences, but there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of consistent uh, things going on there. Um, sorry, I just got distracted by uh, neighbors who I'm not sure if they could see me or if they were just looking at my cats. And then there's fireworks. Oh, so that's why that sentence <laughs> ended the way that it did. That's how the podcast goes. Lee, what's your uh, what's your introduction to Sonic as a story in Sonic the Comic? 
Ah, well, so Sonic as a story, it's... I don't know, I guess I always saw, like, the story within the game. Um, because I also had an older brother, so I think maybe the, the mm-hmm. first console I played was, like, an Atari 2600. So you had your games like Pac-Man and River Raid, and it's like, okay, no story there. And then you had, like, your Tetris on the Game Boy. But then with Sonic... You know, you had your good guy, you had your bad guy, and Sonic's freeing animals. They've been like trapped in robots, they've been trapped in prison eggs. So it always seemed to me like, oh, there was a story there. You know, there was an ending. Like Pac-Man didn't have an ending. Like Tetris didn't really have an ending. So it's always felt to me like an adventure. And then the comics, they just felt like the further adventures mm. of this character and this world. Yeah, Did you guys have awareness of Archie uh, from your perspective of things? No, not at all. Not until I was um, slightly older. I was probably about 12 years old when I started reading that. Because um, my brother actually got me into that as well. Uh, we had a, a comic shop in our town. And so, and at that time, you know, American comics were this like really exciting, exotic thing. And uh, you're, you're familiar with characters like Spider-Man. I was a big Spider-Man fan. You know, you're familiar with the comic book characters, the Marvel characters, but mostly from things like Saturday morning cartoons or from those uh, adaptation, the larger print comics that you'd sometimes see in the in the shops where they adapted some of the stories or reprinted some of the stories, you know, for a for UK audience. Um, but having something like a little like a comic book and, and all of ours were like bagged and boarded because there were these like precious artifacts, you know, it was a real big deal. Um, my first issue I read of Archie was issue nine with Pseudo Sonic. And mm. uh, I mean, I liked it as a kid uh, because it was Sonic, I'll be honest. Um, I, not so much going back. Uh, it's It was too goofy for me. Um, and then later yeah. on, too melodramatic. I, I think there was a sweet spot, but, um, and similar to Fleetway, I guess, you know. Sometimes that was a little bit silly as well, let's be honest. It was, but I mean, definitely like the the thing that jumps off immediately in reading the Fleetway comics is how it's much more aligned with the world of the games than the yeah. Archie comics were by comparison because they were closer to the uh, the Deke cartoons, uh, more so like combining yes. Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog with the Saturday morning cartoon, whereas Fleetway, it's like, these are the it's the Sonic 1 furry friends it's the Green Hill Zone, Marble Zone, Emerald yeah. Hill Zone. Um, Sally Acorn's there, but she looks like uh, yeah, she's yeah. the. Little I, I like those early the... designs. Yeah, I, I don't know who the artist is of those very first issues. Oh, I can't They're remember. Right. Lee, do you remember that one? Yeah, so there were a few artists. Um, Woodrow Phoenix did a few issues. Um, that was the fella. Yeah, yeah. Mike Hadley did a few. Um, Anthony Williams is credited for issue one. Okay. Yeah. Ferran Rodriguez, he did a few. Um, My boy Richard Ellison, though, was taking, he was was really carrying that thing, let's be honest. Yeah, that's when the comic really took form, when Richard Ellison first started drawing for it with issue seven. And he had a nice little run. Issue seven, eight, nine, ten, they were all Richard Ellison. And, fantastic story as well yeah written by nigel kitching and that's where the comic sort of really came into its own mm-hmm. uh, but then you had another like eight or nine issues or so of just a reversion back to the early ones where you had like these one-shot stories they're like a bit mm, 
they, they, more they lighthearted, were, weren't they? More lighthearted. More lighthearted. They just felt a bit. I don't want to say phoned in, but they felt a bit phoned in. British listeners will understand when I say that it's a bit. It's a bit Beano, isn't it? Yes. It's a little bit children's comic strip, like ten p comic with a lollipop on the front for free, kind of silly comic. Whereas I feel like kitchen and elsom were trying to elevate it a little bit to like maybe something like 2000 ad which is you know uh incredibly well regarded uh and and has been and still going right 2000 ad has been going since like the 70s isn't it um so british comics really did have a pedigree it was a little quieter you know it wasn't as widespread as something like the marvel dc image all that um but it, it certainly yeah it, it has a it made a name for itself and i feel like those stories elevated it pretty much to that level. You know, they wanted to take it seriously, but still be fun, you know, be adventurous, but be lighthearted enough, but have a bit of danger. And the artwork was just spot on, you know, just absolutely fantastic artwork. What's it read? Oh, okay. Shall we? Uh, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a comic strip. It's like a children's comic, comic strip, uh, collection, it's like a load of, uh, it's similar to Sonic the Comics format, I suppose. It's a collection of lots of smaller stories, which has seemed to be the kind of way to do it. Um, yeah, so it's a weekly anthology. Yeah. And um, most of the comics would just be like one page, maybe, you know, sometimes two pages. Um, the lead character was Dennis the Menace, not that one, not the American oh, no. one. Oh, the yeah. other Dennis the Menace. Yeah, with the, uh, with the stripy jumper and the dog. Dennis yeah. the Menace, yeah. Yeah, the premise is there's this kid, is a real shit. He's a, he's a bastard. <laughs> just... He's a Bart Simpson type, but like with the, you know, no breaks whatsoever. I mean, like, sounds exactly real... like the American version. <laughs> yeah, he's even got the uh, slingshot and everything. Like, is that somehow they both managed to, you know, the universe conspired to create two completely separate and yet identical Dennis the Menaces on either side of the pond at the same time. They're like within, they're in, are they within the same like week of each other they're created or something ridiculous like that? Something um, like that, like within the same year at least. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's why. When you said Beano, I was thinking of like Bean Dip or something. Was making <laughs> right. No, like that. There's the Beano and the Dandy, and they, they were, yeah, just like, and it's still well regarded. I mean, they're still going now as well, as far as I'm aware. I mean, I haven't been Over... to a shop in the last couple of years, but you know. So the Dandy was. The Dandy was cancelled a few years ago, but they still do oh, the it? annuals. Okay. Yeah, they still right. do the Dandy annuals. Okay. There's uh, characters such as like Desperate Dan, and that was... Was that the Dandy? That was yeah, the dandy, Desperate Dan it? was the lead of the Dandy, and yeah. Dennis for Menace was the lead of the Beano. Um, yeah, and it was... They, they all had names like this. So there was the Beano, there was the Dandy, there was um, Wizard and Chips. Wizard, uh, <laughs> Wizard and Chips. Wizard and Chips. <laughs> yeah you heard it here um, this is Buster, uh, this Buster is was another one Buster yeah I remember that um I never read that stuff that always seemed too ridiculous to me I only really got into comics I think probably Sonic the comic was my introduction to comics and then later on I got into more the American side of things through my brother as I say but I never really cared about comics so I never got into 2000 AD as a kid I didn't do that until much later you know, I missed out, you know, um, but it always seemed like grown up stuff to me. Whereas what Sonic, the comic was great for was that you had artists and writers that completely gave a shit about it, that were trying to make some real good stuff, you know, um, but it was aimed at kids, but it didn't talk down to you. 
you know there was danger there was a bit of aggro you know as we've all discussed at length sonic was a kind of a prick <laughs> as well um he had so a it wasn't it wasn't toothless he had a person exactly he had a bit of edge to him he was a spiky yeah, character he had a fucking attitude and that I, that's what i loved about it like lee said earlier on uh for me it was definitely it felt like a natural continuation of the games it felt like this is what was happening in the background of the games whereas yeah. something like the satam cartoon or any of that stuff to me was clearly very far removed it was its own beast um mm-hmm. for me though like yeah sonic the comic was the further adventures you played the game and then you went and read the comic and you were like ah that's the city in the background that's what happens when the animals jump out of the robot that's where they go that's what they're called that's their family that's where they live yeah it didn't feel very far removed and it was it was nice to have that yeah it did feel like a companion to what we knew yeah i definitely like that it all takes place in in the zones you know yeah Uh, you mentioned you or lee mentioned issue seven earlier that and i was just rereading a bunch of these jumping around in in time that was one of the ones that i read uh and that's the first appearance of supersonic right yes where uh which is uh one of the i I, you know more well-known maybe divergences uh but a really interesting one and and i liked how how it's introduced in issue seven where tails is just kind of like oh yeah he kind of loses a little bit sometimes when he's supersonic Although it ends just with him just being like snapping out of it out of nowhere. Mm. Um, but uh, I like that, you know, I, I don't even remember the first time Supersonic really was properly shown in the Archie books, but it wasn't nearly as interesting or as memorable as this one. Yeah, so so I think Sonic the comic, they did a good job of, like said, they used the zones and, you know, they took things from the games. Um the Arch comic, it was more based on the cartoons, but when they introduced Supersonic, they super literalized it. I think they had Sonic saying, oh, I need to collect 50 rings now. Oh, I need yeah. to jump into the special zone and collect seven Chaos Emeralds. Luckily, and... I had stored the Chaos Emeralds behind a bush earlier on. Yeah, and luckily I collected well, 50 rings. In the rings. Archie books, there were like inf- infinite emeralds. Uh, I, I think there was like a Supersonic versus Hyper Knuckles special. Oh, where it got yeah, into, I remember that. But it was like there was thousands of emeralds and they were all and they all existed in the special zone. And so that's how oh. it was for a while until and they were all green. Um, yeah, that bothered whereas me. Whereas there was it was much that was a, you know, uh, the gray emerald in the Sonic 3 adaptation, which was also reading in the 30s issues. Um, having the gray emerald sort of have its the property sort of like the master emerald. Pretty fun. Yeah, so I feel like we're burying the lead a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. So we should probably say, um, for the benefit of our listener, that... <laughs> <laughs> Go on then, say it. So Yeah, I'll, I'll say it. So Sonic the Comic, its primary source material was the Sega of America Sonic Bible, which Sega of America, they gave Sonic and Robotnik an origin story. So Sonic was originally a brown hedgehog. um, Dr. Robotnik was the good Dr. Kinterbor. And yeah, there was the whole experiment going on with the Chaos Emeralds and the Rotten Egg and Kinterbor turned into the evil Robotnik. Sonic became blue, runs fast. Um... But yeah, part of that story was Dr. Kinterbor was trying to absorb all the evil in the world into the six Chaos Emeralds. But then he needed the seventh Grey Emerald to make it all work, to control it was the them. Control. Yeah, the it control wasn't... Emerald. Yeah. So 
yeah, when you said earlier, oh, evil supersonic, that's a divergence. And people, I think it's a well-known thing about the series. Oh, that's the one where supersonic was evil. Isn't that a crazy divergence? But with the material Nigel Kitching was working from, that made sense because the six curse emeralds had absorbed the evil of the planet. And since supersonic is powered by the curse emeralds, it follows logically that supersonic would be evil. For the same reason why Robotnik became Robotnik, the Robotnik that we know and and, and love now, um, from the very, very kindly Dr. Kinterbor, um powered by the exact same thing, except in at least in Supersonic's case, it was a temporary transformation. Right, so he sort of connected those ideas, which obviously weren't there in the games, because yeah. Sonic Team weren't following this when they introduced Supersonic. But, you know, Nigel Kitchen, he did a good job of taking these disparate elements and trying to make some sense of them. Mm. Yeah, I like the way that it like connects the dots on things. Uh, again, especially compared to Archie, which was just like, yeah, emeralds, there's just a sea of emeralds. That I like that the kitchen version, there's chaos in the emeralds. It like flips positive attributes to negative ones, or it like, but it also seems like a little more trackable in terms of how the powers of it work. It's fun. I, I like that kind of lore. And if I was, if, if the Fleetway version was the one that I was growing up reading, I would have been psyched for that because that's what I wanted mm. sort of the Archie comics to be. Uh, so it's sort of fun reading these and but it's like i say it's interesting too the uh the sonic 3 adaptation we were talking about this just briefly a little bit on the discord it's interesting too seeing the similarities there, working seeing how they were working off of the material uh where uh sonic and tails are flying the tornado and they approach the floating island it's an island floating in the sky and it was known to us through the manuals in sonic 3 that's floating island but of course when you first see it it's on the beach you don't know unless yeah. you've read the Japanese manual that the Death Egg supposedly crash landed on the island and pushed it down. Uh, so, and and Knuckles' progression from being, uh, you know, <clears throat> tricked by Robotnik and and you know fighting Sonic, uh, there being like a zoot shoot to a Emerald Shrine. You know, there's not really there's a, the Master Emerald and the floating island elements don't come up until a bit later as you see them adapting Sonic and Knuckles. Uh, and then from that point on, it's when it seems like the series totally starts to become more about these Tails backup stories, Knuckles backup stories, the Sonic's world backup stories, um, new characters like Techno and the Cybernick. And I don't know, I was reading a bunch of them very fast, but the, the extended like cast started to grow. Um, I jumped ahead to, gosh, like the Dr. Zachary stuff. There's a lot of like oh. that. Um, and the, the, what is it? The Brotherhood, the Metallics. Brotherhood so, of yes. Metallics. Yeah. 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 They really dope. created their own mythology within that. That was yeah. Yeah, incredibly dope, mate. Yeah. Um, they, but they really just, they, what I liked is that they expanded in, I felt, a natural way on what was already kind of there. Um, yeah. Using, say, for example, the, the Brotherhood of Metallics storyline and the um, Emperor of the metal sonics is uh is, is is red in this kind of floating chair and he kind of calls to mind the one from knuckles chaotix you know so there was a little element of that and introduced right. in a very loose adaptation of the knuckles chaotix storyline um introducing those characters along with knack the weasel at that point as well who was uh, another real piece of shit character uh, and just a really great antagonist he was because he was a weasel he was an absolute you know he he sold him out 
to Robotnik and then like he'll sell out Robotnik to somebody else and then he'll just keep you, you know he's just too slippery he was a, he was a, a cool villain to have pop back in now and again and uh so so Josh was that hmm. a twist to you because so again for our listener um in the chaotic storyline they introduce Vector Charmy Mighty Espio and Knack as a team as the yes. chaotic crew was it a twist to you that Knack ended up being a villain and he betrayed the team to the Brotherhood of Metallics? I mean, I was like 10, so probably, yeah. I'd be just like, oh, wow, what? <laughs> That's, I didn't see that coming. Um, for me, the, the only real standout was because I'd already, you know, I had I knew the one kid in the whole south of England that had a 32X. So, um, Oh, that's a completely that's a, different experience. That's a joke, yeah. by the way. Uh, yeah, so I had played the game already. Okay, uh, so you knew Knack wasn't in the game. <clears throat> yeah, so I was just like, who the, who's this guy? I mean, I kind of knew him from Triple Trouble. You know, by that point, the Master System it was still going, but it was more phased out. We never had a Game Gear, so I was familiar with the character uh, from artwork only, really. I hadn't really played the game. So I knew he was an, he was like the odd one out. So I was kind of thinking, like, that's unusual they've added him in. I wonder what he's going to get up to. Um, but I, as a kid, I'll be honest, I just kind of took stuff at face value. I was just like, okay, sure. They're all there. Sure. What's happening next? You know? So yeah, yeah so, I imagine I was surprised. Yeah. I didn't have a 32X. I didn't have a Game Gear. So it was a complete shock to me. You know, <laughs> yeah. they introduced this team of five characters and it's like, oh, okay, cool. They've all got their own thing going on. Like massive surprise when Knack ended up being a baddie. I think it's, it's just interesting to introduce that into what is essentially a kid's comic that a character that's introduced as a goodie that just kind of goes, you know what? Fuck you. Robotnik pays more, you know, and just, just completely just turns them, turns them over to some legitimately terrifying characters, you know, uh, the, the metal Sonics. Cause uh, you know, when you're also introduced at that point, you see sort of two of them, don't you? That's the kind of the real, Oh shit moment is yeah, before that in the earliest cliffhanger. Story, that is the, that's the cliffhanger of the previous issue. Uh, in the it's like, early... there's two of them now. That's like, oh, oh yeah. my God. How so you think, oh no, because the first was one was bad enough, wasn't it? If we, if we go back a second to the Sonic Terminator story, which is one of the ones that you were recommending, I was recommending to these guys um, as just one of the first, <clears throat> for me, real standout stories, apart from issue eight, the origin of Sonic, which is, we've already discussed a bit, um, and that, which then subsequently led on to the, ruled by robotnik so just a, a live another little bit of we're going to jump all over the place here guys so you know get get fucking used to it um gotta go fast so in issue eight sonic does the whole origin story he goes back in time through a series of events that i won't bother getting into um <clears throat> robotnik uh conspires to have him killed um and the mechanism that allows him to go back in time is actually a kind of an ai machine creation thing that guards the special zone called the omni viewer i'm gonna get into it apparently fuck it i guess i have to don't i um then yeah yeah, yeah, there he goes Uh, and then sends him back in time they go through the whole origin thing robotnik's actually in control of omni viewer and says get rid of sonic you know ostensibly meaning kill him omni viewer says okay i'll get rid of him sends him six months into the future robotnik takes over the whole planet in that time and from issue eight all the way through to issue 100 Robotnik has taken over the whole planet. You know, the the people of Emerald Hill and surrounding towns and villages, all that. And it's a very populous world in it of like various animal characters um, is completely taken over. <clears throat> but less so in the uh, 
in the sense of him going around just grabbing and roboticizing him in like the Satan cartoons. He was just just a fascist piece of shit, just a right. horrible dictator bastard you know sending these like thugs around to just boot people's doors in and just harass the villagers in the middle of the night and stuff it was really fucking sinister stuff um yeah so so. like that in particular is really interesting because it was it was a loose tie-in to the cartoon show Mm -hmm. um it was i believe it was sega europe's suggestion to the stc staff that oh hey have have robotnik take over mobius and be the dictator and sonic yeah. as part of a team of freedom fighters and he had um, his troopers and everything and even his base was similar wasn't it in shape it, it, it was actually a giant well, robotic it, head wasn't it that was later on the oh, original okay. base was the egg in the special zone oh of course yeah 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 um so so from yeah then on... the... oh, go ahead, oh yeah no saying so they had this yeah, they had this loose direction that was basically the premise of the cartoon, but they didn't really have any of the specifics, it seems. So they're like, okay, Sonic, he's a freedom fighter, the world's ruled yeah. by Robotnik. So for the team, they chose from the from the seven little animal characters in Sonic 1, mm. they chose mm-hmm. the rabbit and the pig, and in the American sonic bible they were johnny lightfoot and Parker lewis yeah so that was all based on that so that yeah so that was your team of freedom fighters mm-hmm. sonic <clears throat> tails johnny lightfoot Parker lewis then later they introduce amy so you've got this yeah freedom fighters team and it's like and sally acorn appears in yes they do yeah and uh was it joe Tucks? the uh, no, joe sushi sorry and Tux was the penguin that was it yes and uh, so all the characters were in it but the small animal characters played less and less of a role and as you were saying porker and johnny became main characters essentially part of sonic's crew yeah so sally was only really used by mark miller um the one what did kick ass and other such things right um yes the ultimates the ultimates yeah um he wrote so i thought it was mark millar no mark miller it's Scottish that way, yeah, but yeah, different. they did do things differently up there. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. so that Sally, it was just like the little Sally from the games, like the little squirrel from the games, but with a little bow in her hair because she's a girl, yeah. And that was she the was Sega of America design, you know, it's like yeah. Tux the Penguin, Sega of America was like, oh, he's got to have a little bow tie. Because otherwise, the name we're giving him doesn't make sense. Yeah, it would be uh, silly, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, would, it would be ridiculous. Otherwise, wouldn't Joe make Sushi, any sense. Of course, was um, you know wrapped in seaweed all the time. So that exactly was, covered in yeah. rice always. Yeah, all the time. So uh, yeah, you were saying that Amy was also introduced and to that sort of core group of the Freedom Fighters. And they were they called they were called the Freedom Fighters, right? I think in that. Yeah, as well. yeah. <clears throat> um, and that was the kind of. I don't think they really took it seriously until much later when. Um, they had a base uh, similar, I suppose, to Not Hole, um, and then People much had later, the pipe like Sonic yeah. went through like a slide to get to Not Hole in the in the cartoon, yeah. and it's a, a slide to get into the secret base in STC. Okay. I don't know so that, if oh, that was yeah. a direct inspiration. I think it was just it's cool slides yeah, are cool. <laughs> if you're a little slide. kid, 
yeah, if you're a little kid, it's anything with like slides, mm. like wood slides, shoots, pipes, yeah. those soft play areas, and that you go ape shit for that. Yeah. Right, so it's like part of the fun. It's like oh, a secret base, and oh, it's underground, and you got a pipe to go through. It's like it's like yeah, you can it's imagine that as a there, kid. Yeah. So they had that base, and uh, and as I say, Amy was introduced in the story I was very slowly getting to, which was Sonic Terminator in issue twenty eight. When's that? Twenty seven, twenty eight. Around that so time. So there was Girl Trouble in issues twenty one and twenty two. Then oh, okay. Pirates of the Mystic Cave in twenty three, and then twenty four onwards was the five part Sonic Terminator. This is and... why we have Lee on the show because he knows what the fuck is going uh, on. I... <laughs> I haven't got a clue. I reread it the other day, um, oh, but right. yeah, it it is essentially your one eight part storyline introducing Gamey, introducing okay. Captain Plunder, who would become a fan favorite. Oh, we like and... Captain Plunder, don't we? Yeah, we'll get into him in a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they had the uh, the Sonic CD adaptation, and you had Metal Sonic introduced. And was he called Metallics at that point? I can't remember. Yes, we introduced him as okay. Metallics, the Metal the, Sonic. The Metal Sonic, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he had a name. So it kind of made him a bit more of a character. For me, Metal Sonic was just like, it's just a copy that Robotnik has made. It's just an imposter. This was like, he was his own guy almost. And he had a bit of a, he had a bit of sass to him as well. He wasn't very characterful he was still very much robotic in that way but i think giving him a name made it a bit more interesting it kind of differentiated him from perhaps some of the others like uh, what we knew as silver sonic or, or mecha sonic you know which mm-hmm. did arrive um at one point in the comic it was like issue four or something issue five there was like a a very quick death egg storyline um it just sounds badass metallics. metallics yeah metallics. it starts with metal and ends with an x it's like oh Ooh, so cool yeah spiky. And I, I had a friend as a kid who used to call him metalix and i hated him i hated that kid <laughs> i'm just like but it's a pun and he's just like no you're it's metal x i'm like you're a fucking idiot mate uh, but he was i didn't know none of us uh, you know i didn't actually say that to him because he was bigger than me so i was just like well i don't think that's the case um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah you didn't yeah. stand up for your beliefs huh josh no, I know. It's because I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a coward. Tracking down. Track I am a down. complete tails. I am a classic tails. Yeah, I know, right? Help me, Sonic. Mm. Fuck Sonic I love, Forces. Last I card. love. Uh, <laughs> I, I love how how much of a you. We've kind of mentioned it <clears throat> up top, but uh, I the jumping around in my read through one of the consistent things is definitely just sonic being an asshole and i love God, i love yeah i love uh pixel brain i love how he's like mocking <laughs> yeah. porker lewis as he's getting kidnapped by robotnik uh yes i and and they're all just like he's my hero i love this guy this guy is the best sonic's like you piece of shit get the <laughs> fuck out of my way i gotta go do stuff gotta go fast yeah. when when yeah. what did you guys uh, do you guys I guess you would prefer the versions of Porker and Johnny that have the leather jackets or is there, I kind of like them as the animals, like I was mentioning, but how, how did, how did you guys feel about that? Like design change hmm. uh, I mean, for them being like more, they, they both get quite tall. Yeah, it definitely, they originally they fit in more with the world. I think, I don't think it was a great decision. Uh, as you guys pointed out earlier, it kind of makes them look like, island of dr moreau fucking monstrosities um or if anyone else is familiar with the character like a rupert the bear 
character, like where they were yeah. basically essentially just uh, humans with animal heads and it, with their creepy little fingernails and everything. Um, kind of like the Sonic uh, film design, the original one. Yeah. Um, it was, I don't know. I, I, I understand why they did it. They did it to kind of, um, excuse me, sorry. Let, <clears throat> let the tiger out of the cage. Um, they did it to kind of bump them up a bit in their, you know, in, in that world, just to kind of give them a bit more heft. I think, you know, you had these little cutie animals that needed to be saved and then you had the bigger animals that were saving them. And I don't, yeah. I, he definitely made them stand out versus say Sonic and Tails. who still had the kind of dumpy bodies and everything. Yeah. Um, I don't hate it. Um, but yeah, well, you know, I understand why they did it. It wasn't maybe the best decision. They definitely stood out more. Um, yeah. I don't hate it. It's definitely, it's just interesting to like, I, I mean, I like it. I compared it again, comparing it to Archie, which is just much more like Royal furries across (laughs) the board, sort of like you're, it's, it's kind of fun getting these, uh, I don't know. I like that they chose Johnny and and Porker. They're kind of. Well, they were good characters. I feel like they were good foils to Sonic's established character in the comic. The Sonic was, yeah, kind of a dick didn't want yeah. people around didn't <clears throat> then again if you see everything he's gone through it's kind of understandable he's a bit more carefree in the early he's cheeky but he's more carefree and then you understand that like like i said earlier on he's been sent forward in time to he's completely out of time with himself to uh, a world that's been completely taken over and also you know he's so intrinsically linked with Dr. Robotnik's creation in the first place that he also feels kind of responsible and later on directly responsible for Dr. Robotnik's creation. Um, and so he's, he's a, he's a pissed off guy. He's got a lot, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. He wants to be free and he can't be the whole world's locked down and he can't go home. He's got this responsibility. Uh, and he's so, yeah, he's just, he's just kind of a dick. Um, which yeah, Porker and Johnny, and Amy and Tails in their own ways will act as foils to that. You know, um, Johnny has, uh, he's, he's got that kind of heart of it. You know, he's a kind of man of the people. He wants to help people and do the right thing. He seems like really straight, straight down the line, dude, you know, and Porker is a bit of a coward, but he comes into his own when it comes to, you know, thinking laterally and like the, the technology side of things. He took up that mantle a bit more. <clears throat> Whereas Tails was just kind of the faithful sidekick kind of character little brother character without any of that messing around with tech and machinery and whatnot um but yeah they all acted as as good foils for the character i think it felt like it felt like that's the good point chaos emerald oh thank you good point point. thank you yeah it felt like a real group you know it felt (laughs) like you had those you had friendship groups like that as a kid and you know maybe as an adult as well yeah you know there'll always be so you've got this group of like five characters or like and you know if you had a friendship group of like five kids there'd there'd always be that one who was like the type a personality like the outgoing one mm-hmm. the one whose lead everyone followed you know the one with the most magnetic personality and that was sonic there and yeah, then you would, you know, there'd be the nerdy one, there'd be like the younger kids in the group, you know, often a literal little brother who's hanging mm-hmm. around because it's like, oh, mum, can I go out? It's like, yeah, only if yeah. you take your little brother with you. So that's what it felt <laughs> like. And yeah, so Johnny, he was, you know, he was the, like you said, he's the heart, he's the good guy. And yeah, he was just yeah. a good guy, just a straight down the line, good, honest guy that would 
wanted to lend a hand and help people out. And you see him doing that often in the situations, don't you? Yeah, he was, I think throughout the run, he was probably the blandest of all the core characters, which is unfortunate. There was nothing wrong with him as a character. They just didn't really do anything much with him, which was yeah, a real I'd shame i'd agree with um, that. Yeah. it's definitely relegated to like a background you're like oh and here's johnny i was i didn't want to say it because i felt like i was doing him a disservice but yeah he was a little bit milk so, toast <laughs> to be honest. well i've got i've got real affinity for johnny lightfoot because <clears throat> my first the first real issue i got was 21 which was mm-hmm. girl trouble part one introducing amy introducing all the sonic cd stuff um so I also you know, really it, like Amy's uh, updo design in the uh, Sonic the comic. We love the updo. Um, yeah, big fan of the of the hair going up. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Based just, on a misinterpretation of the Sonic CD art, but it worked out for the better. It's a, it, a good interpretation of the of the art. Yeah, I always call it a misinterpretation. I mean, it was directly like they we had one picture <laughs> of Amy right. ever, and it was that. And it's like, okay, if that's all you knew of the character. Which mm-hmm. we did, as I say, there was like, you know, maybe two people in the UK had a, a Sega CD, maybe one person had a 32X. You know, there was, um, I'm exaggerating slightly, maybe three people, um, you know, but it was, yeah, you'd never seen this fucking character. You didn't know. So that one piece yeah. of artwork was all we had. So it felt completely natural to me. And it worked. It looks great. It's, it's maybe, uh, it's honestly yeah. maybe one of my favorite designs <clears throat> of her. I, I wish it would sort of come back or they would yeah. use it because it's, I, I like it going up. It's cool. It, it does It's work. spunky. It's, it, it seems to fit her character, honestly, more than... It seems yeah. like such a small thing, but at the same time, it does sort of define the character, whether it's going... Are the spikes going back or are they going down? I like it yeah. up. I like yeah, it absolutely. Up, and it's it kind of, um, you know, with Sonic characters having such strong silhouettes, you know, to their design, yeah. it, it helped Amy stand out a bit more rather than yeah, just Knuckles Sonic. is going down, Sonic goes yeah. back, Tails has got a little fluff forward. Yeah, and, he, and, and then and hers goes, goes straight up. up. It's got all the directions. Right there, all, the directions. all, all cardinal directions, uh, and it, yeah, it wasn't just Sonic with eyelashes. You know, it was right. she had her own uh, spin to the material, and she gets different so. outfits throughout it. This was pointed out in the Discord, uh, yeah, a little bit of you know, and she starts going on her own adventures. You can maybe hear th- my neighborhood noises in the background. I can't. I can't. Those kids are having a great time. Yeah, yeah they're, having so. a, they're having a great time while I'm talking Sonic. Yeah, I I thought the redesign was quite well considered. So. Hmm. For for the for her first year, she wore just like the Sonic CD gloves, and hmm. I think everyone involved in the comic, from the writer Nigel Kitching to the editors, she was essentially the only girl character, and they didn't want her to be like this cutesy Minnie Mouse. Um, yeah. So, so they did get her out of those like little girl clothes and we got her wearing usually a t-shirt and like a bit of a kilt like a tartan skirt and we kept the we kept the trainers so we kept the headband because there's nothing wrong with those they still worked so it didn't feel like a complete divergence it just felt like okay she's wearing something different now but yeah, there's still enough around. of a connection to the previous version and you had a few I was going to say that the uh, that was a good point, Lee. Um, uh, all the background characters, you know, the kind of just the townsfolk, the kind of village folk of uh, Emerald Hill and that um, were essentially just like, yeah, animal people in regular clothes, you know. Uh, and so Amy 
perhaps helped bridge the gap a little bit between the more stylized characters like Sonic and the clothes-wearing freak animal people of Emerald Hill Village. Uh, <clears throat> it does make it seem that much stranger that Sonic and Tails are nudists. Like, they wear yeah. the least amount of clothes because it's yeah. a, sort of a point then that everybody else is clothed up. We try not to think about it too much. Yeah, yeah I think it, I like it was to think a, about it. <laughs> it's all, it's honestly all about. We still have a, we still need to dedicate an episode to comparing the different Eggman asses, Robotnik butts. We'll, we'll get to that ranking. Robotnik. Uh, it, it, it was. Good. It was. It was a real issue with the comic having so many different artists. Um, you know, with it being yeah. with it being an anthology, you had like your Sonic lead strip. Then in the back, you'd have the different Sega strips that were eventually replaced by Tails or Knuckles or Amy stories. Um, so each issue, you would have you'd have four different artists, and um, they'd all have their own interpretations of yeah. these undefined things, like what do the people in the Emerald Hill Zone look like? Um, so you'd have, I think quite early on, um, Richard Elson would, he'll take the Sonic 1 animals, but sort of humanize them more and give them like full clothes. And then, you know, another artist like Bob Corona would be like, okay, they're just naked animals, but taller. Um, so there's some real inconsistencies there. Um, yeah. it, I think the event, the eventually settled on what Richard Elson was doing, which was basically these very humanoid characters with like the cartoon animal heads, um, which I feel like is, I'm not a big fan of that, but I feel it's in the tradition of like the Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck comics where you'd have these stylized characters like Mickey and Donald and Pete. And then when they just had like some rando, it would just be a human with a dog head. Yeah, I mean, like, Goofy wears clothes. No one gives him any shit, do they? Yeah. Josh and Lee, this is maybe, I don't know, but of the original characters, who are your, like, top three favorites or standouts of the original or the expanded cast? Yeah, because we we sort of, we we skirted it a little bit there, didn't we? We were talking about things like Techno, the Canary, uh, Short Fuse, the Cybernick, and all those other characters. Kinto Boar, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so are we counting Johnny and Porker as like they're not technically yeah. original characters? No, they, they count. But they yeah, they're they evolved they're specific into, to that. They evolved into separate yeah. characters. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, they um, can. Yeah, Josh, you go first. I'm trying oh, to narrow God's it down sake. to three in my head. All right, Do yeah, it. fine. Uh, <laughs> I can only think of three, so it's easy for me. Oh, there um, you go. Honestly. Can I count Metallics as one? Yep. Um, yeah, because then from what that expanded onto, again, sort of coming back to where I trailed off from earlier on, uh, the way they expanded that non-existent mythology, essentially, you know, Metal, Metal Sonic, rather, in Sonic CD, was almost a throwaway character. He was in that, and then he fucked off for ages, and then he's sort of been brought back as a bit of a fan favorite. But this expanded him out to a whole... Uh, the brotherhood you know the whole whole fucking family of these things run by a giant floating dude in a big professor xavier chair and they got some real nefarious shit and they were a real threat because uh you know as robotnik then discovered that he couldn't control them anymore you know he's coming on all all billy big bollocks like with his little control pad thing with a big red button on it like ah i'll shut them down oh wait shit that doesn't work anymore they figured out 
um, they literally went back in time and <laughs> took that part out so that they still existed, but that they were built without the thing that Robotnik could control them with. So they just fucked with the whole of history. And um, at one point, yeah, they they get that ability um, by capturing the Omni Viewer that I mentioned earlier on, and they're they're flipping through time. They completely erase everything. At one point, they they take over the whole fucking planet um, by going back in time and doing a Sonic CD, but on Mobius. Um, so yeah, real, real cool standout characters, terrifying, terrifying fucking characters. Um, other characters, I never really rated Shorty or Short Fuse. Um, it was a cool idea for a character, which was, if you're not familiar with him, um, he's a, just a, a squirrel character who gets put into this experimental badnik armor, but he retains his free will. So he becomes just like a badass badnik trapped inside forever inside this suit but he becomes like an iron man type character where he's just got all these crazy gadgets and everything like that um but but also the, the i'll say the trade-off is that he'll never be free um, they call him is he also is that also the cybernick yeah that's the short fuse the cybernick yeah it was like, experimental cybernick armor that he was put into uh and it was it was terrifying again but i mean he was a cool enough character it never really stood out to me though but obviously enough that i had to mention it um <clears throat> All right, for my number two, it's going to be Techno um, from the um, well-regarded, uh, and I'm quoting Nigel Kitching on this, Lesbians in Space storyline, um, <laughs> as he as he fondly referred to it when we met him, Lee and I met him at Summer of Sonic. We did? and uh, Yeah, he did indeed. Um, the Amy and Techno. So Techno the Canary was a character who was introduced as, uh, in, in a shorty, uh, short fuse storyline i believe yeah and so, she was yeah she, for she the helped first, him out didn't she yeah for the first two years she was short fuse's tech guy um yes yeah, she, she was the guy in the chair right yeah so short fuse had his own solo stories but <clears throat> that meant he needed a supporting cast um yes. which ended up just being one character which ended up being <laughs> techno um but then yeah later um i guess we wanted an amy strip they wanted like a girl focused strip so we paired up amy and techno and uh and yeah and um i don't know you could read into that if you like it's still a children's comic i'm not going to be that guy but uh the writer himself yes did in fact refer to it as the lesbians in space arc as they go on a massive time and space dimension hopping doctor who style adventure um and it was it was nice it was stand out to me <clears throat> especially as a kid because she wasn't a girl character she was just a character in the way they tried to stop amy just being the mini mouse to sonic's mickey um partly by just changing her outfit partly by changing her attitude um the same with techno you know she wasn't introduced she she just happened to be female she was just a cool interesting character who um almost kind of felt a little bit out of sorts she wasn't a complete nerd. She was techie, but she was hands-on, but she still kind of felt out sorts in these kind of adventurous situations. And that's where Amy kind of came into her own and kind of helped teach her a little bit of that. And uh, <clears throat> Amy ended up leading these stories almost and being her own Sonic, her own main character. Um, and it was nice to see, I think. I'm going to say like, you know, it wasn't my favorite stories growing up, uh, but I rate the importance of that character. So I'm going to say that. Um, so metallics number one number yeah. two techno techno the canary number techno three <clears throat> oh, do you know what 
because you could get into some of the real minutiae of it, you get into some of the real side side characters, you know. But is it Lightmare? <clears throat> is it who? Lightmare. Oh, fuck Lightmare, dude. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's Lord Sidewinder. No, we'll get into that shit. No, that by that point in the comic, I was I was kind of clocking out a little bit. Um, off the top of my head, fuck. You know what? It's um. It's probably going to be something like Captain Plunder, I'll be honest. Because it was... I like him maybe not as a Sonic character, but just as a character. You know, Captain Plunder, uh, if you're not familiar, was um, is, is a pirate character. Um, who he, His base was in the Mystic Cave, is that right? He had like a whole pirate yeah. ship, like a flying pirate ship, um, populated with uh, this bunch of like rowdy pirates. And his first mate was the ghost of his previous first mate, who he killed personally by shooting him in the head. So he was a ghost... Because he took the last biscuit. Because he took the last biscuit, yeah. And he was pissed off at him, so he shot him in the head. He's got this bloody great bullet hole in his head, this ghost. Um, (laughs) It's terrifying. And they're also um, accompanied by an impossible and impossible cat called Simpson, who was like a Felix the Cat-looking guy who was literally a cartoon. He was like some weird otherworldly creature compared to them who were in their own world, you know, real characters. He was this bizarre uh, sort of mascot character to them. And they were just a weird bunch. Uh, But they stood out because they were so unlike anything else in there. Um, But they still managed to tie it into the mythology somehow. You know, they were these kind of mercenary, you know, kind of guns for hire. But then also these kind of freebooter type characters just cruising around looking for you know, expensive stuff, looking for jewels, looking for treasure, classic pirate behavior. And of course the, the most important and uh, most powerful jewels on the planet, the chaos emeralds. So they naturally came into conflict with Sonic, came into conflict with Robotnik, came into conflict with Knuckles, all the other characters through that. Um, but quite naturally in that way. Um, and then later on it expanded very much, you know, with their own kind of background as well and their family and friends and the kind of world they inhabit. And, um, yeah, good, all good stuff, really. I mean, there's so many, really, I could get into. But as we were saying, it being an anthology series, you know, you had a lot of just ancillary bullshit that didn't really need to be mentioned. You know, there were a lot of just one-off char- joke characters that were probably only really funny to a UK audience and then probably not even really funny <laughs> at that point, you know. Um so yeah, something like that where it's a bit deeper into the lore and it kind of felt naturally woven in. Yeah, I'll, I'll rate those guys. So. Number one, Metallics. Yes. Number two, Techno, Techno the Canary. Number, Number three. three, Captain Plunder. Plunder. Yeah. yeah, I'll go for that. That's my final answer. I'll probably right. regret it later, but it's on tape now, isn't it? So. That's your second Chaos Emerald for those keeping track. Lee, how about you? Okay. What's your top three? So I think I'd start with Poker Lewis, um, because he oops, <laughs> that's an accidental nope. but earned <laughs> chaos emerald. It's, it's it. it's Every, everyone it likes was supposed Poker to be Lewis. a ring. <laughs> everyone likes Poker Lewis. Um, no, I just thought Poker was an interesting character because he was he he you know he was sort of like the stock. Oh, you've got to have a smart like techie guy on the team you've got to have like the nerdy does machines character yeah he was the donatello yeah he was the donatello but there was also the aspect of like oh he's a bit of a coward like is a he takes he takes it seriously 
but he will still go out into battle with everyone. Like, he's brave enough to do it, but he'll be just like crapping his pants throughout the whole situation and need to get saved by Amy or Sonic or whoever. You know, he wasn't a natural fighter and um, eventually he's became... He's, he's like one of the most consistently funny characters in my read so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, I was just reading one earlier today where um, during the Sonic 3 arc where they've captured Robotnik and they've got him held prisoner in their underground base and it's Porker's turn to go and question him about, you know, the new badniks and whatever. And like Porker's absolutely terrified, even though Robotnik's like behind behind this prison cell, um, like behind bars. Porker's still terrified. Um but he's doing it anyway. And I think that's interesting to to have that kind of that kind of bravery, you know, because like, yeah, Sonic's Sonic's a cool character and you've got all these action hero characters and they're all a bit fearless, but that's not really brave. It's it's braver when it's Porker because he is scared and eventually it does get too much for him. Um, there's a storyline where he's trapped on the little planet or the miracle planet for a month and held hostage by the Brotherhood of Metallics. And they eventually save the day, but when Porky comes back from it, he has to tell Sonic, you know, I, I quit. This has been too much. I need to just stop now. And yeah. Sonic, like, Sonic's really pissed off with him. He's like, oh, I always knew you were a coward. You know, fuck you. And, he has um, a mental breakdown, doesn't he? He properly... He's, yeah, he's just like yeah. behind all this like crazy all this chaos this whole battle's going on and Porker's behind this computer console just crying just like curled up in a ball like I, I can't do this anymore I can't do it he just has a full mental breakdown and he is even described as such which is heavy stuff for a children's book they didn't they didn't beat around the bush there they were like this guy's just been through the ringer and as you say Sonic has no time for it he's just like nah we're fighting a war here like and it's hard it's a hard read isn't it yeah and of course, Sonic comes around and he's like, oh, yeah, look, yeah, you're not a coward and we're still buds and, yeah, I respect your decision. And, um, again, as an anthology strip, um, that becomes an interesting thing. He moves from a supporting character in the Sonic strip to a supporting character in the Knuckles strip. He's up on the floating island and he's helping Knuckles out with all the ancient technology of the floating island. And uh, yeah, I, ju- I just think they treat him with dignity, as opposed to if you look at the cartoon series and the Archie comic, the coward there is Antoine, and they never treat him with dignity. You know, it's always yeah, like it's true. It's always, yeah, it's always like, oh, look at this asshole. He's afraid that the killer robots are going to kill him. What an asshole! Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. It's it's just. A huge difference in how these characters are treated, like between between the two comics or between the TV show and the British comic. Um, so yeah, it's Polka. true. Antoine gets like no wins and no real development either. They sort of expand his cast, and he marries Bunny Rabbit. Actually, the most interesting use of him was the Sonic Comic Online continuation, which is based off of the 
Pencils, I think, by Adam Bryce Thomas for Sonic Universe before it got canceled, where it has Antoine reclaiming his ancestral sword and home from uh, from some scavenger type, and it's well drawn and well executed. But yeah, for the most part, Antoine is is a completely useless character, and it's interesting to contrast uh, him with uh, Porker, who even just in my skipping and hopping uh, read through recently, uh, he's a, he's definitely like a standout. Yeah, so yeah, I've always always enjoyed poker for those reasons. Poker uh, and techno; those are the two big in, that jump out to me in my reading so far. I yeah, spent too much and, with the tags. yeah, and again, sort of Porker's sort of leaving the Sonic strip left that space for techno to become involved um, as like oh the tech the tech person of this Freedom Fighters team. Yeah, so. So yeah, they were the comic was good at that. There was always forward momentum. It's at the end of a story arc there would be consequences. So at the end of a Sonic and Knuckles story arc, the consequence was Robotnik wants to get revenge on the Emerald Hill. Um so they evacuate them to the Mushroom Hill zone on the floating island. So there there's always there's always a big change at the end of a story arc. Yeah, and, and that was conflict for Knuckles as well because he very begrudgingly does it because Sonic's helped him during the Sonic 3 and Knuckles adaptation, you know, and that whole thing's gone on. He's like, okay, yeah, you saved my island, but I really don't like outsiders. Like, he's a real... He's not... In a similar, I suppose, to the Archie or any other adaptation, that um, he was very distrustful of it, and to have them on his island was a big deal, wasn't it? Yeah, they make a point in the Sonic the Comic... Uh, and, and in the Archie that he's lived alone his entire life. So that's part of the, the conflict yeah. is that uh, he's not used to, he trusted what he trusted the first person he saw. Yeah. Deeply it, decided, it decided to yeah. deeply trust him and it, and it, Oh, really made the wrong choice. And then he spends the rest of the time just lashing out at people who mean him well. Okay. Lee, number one is Porker Lewis. Who's your number two. So number two, I'm, I'm of two minds about this. So I'm going to say short fuse for Cybernic. And hot take. Yeah. Okay. So short Piping fuse. Hot take, <laughs> Sorry. So there were several writers on the comic in the early days, and then it ended up just being Nigel Kitching and Lou Stringer. And Nigel Kitching would do like these big adventure comic stories and. You know, lots of action, lots of adventure, good bit of humor. Um, and he'll do the big game adaptations. He was usually paired with Richard Elson on the Sonic Strip, um, Nigel Dobbin on the Knuckles Strip, mm-hmm. and Lou Stringer. He would do the Sonic World stories, the Amy stories. Later on, he'll be doing the Tales stories as well. Um, and his style was Morbino. It was. <laughs> I, was I specifically wasn't going to say that because I felt like I was doing a disservice. But it, yeah, it was. It's just much more light-hearted, much more. Um, the, there were the strips you took at face value. You know, they weren't these kind of overarching ones with massive consequences. A lot of the time, they were the kind of side stories, maybe a little, yeah, a little less heavy. Yeah, and I think certainly during like the. Up to up to issue one hundred, his stories were still action adventure stories. 
um, yeah. against he had that backdrop of Robotnik as dictator to work with. Um, it was more after issue 100 that they became wacky hijinks about, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, oh, some farmers' vegetables have become evil mutant vegetables and um, it's raining bananas. And um, <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it did. I mean, it delivered on the title. I can say that much. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so. Lou Stringer's stories, there, there's there's value to them, but as a kid reading it, they weren't the main attraction to me. It was the Nigel Kitchen stories. But Lou did introduce Short Fuse and later Techno, and they were probably the two most popular original characters yeah. like in the, in the comic as a whole. Um it was just posted in the Discord, the original rough designs from Lou Stringer for Short Fuse the Cybernick. Yeah, so Lou Stringer, he wasn't an artist on Sonic the Comic. Um, he did audition to be, um, but then got picked up as a writer instead. Um, but he, he was a cartoonist, he, wasn't he? Is he is an artist, a, yeah, yeah. Very prolific uh, cartoonist and comic book artist. Um, Interesting. And I mentioned it to you before, Grant. He was, for me at least, notable for creating Combat Colin and Semi-Automatic Steve. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, which are characters that are very dear to my heart. They were featured in the back of the old, uh, UK Marvel transformers comics as a side strip. Um, mm. and when yeah. I met Lou Stringer, he very kindly drew me a picture of combat Colin. It's one of my most prized possessions. Oh, that's great. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Lou Stringer, um, I think he's still, I think he's doing little Dalek strips in Doctor Who magazine at the moment, or okay. he was doing quite recently. Um, so yeah, he's very much from the world of humor comics and, um, and also like children's comics. And there was a lot more, it it was a different, it was a different tone to his stories. Um, so whereas I can't think of any like standout short few stories where I'm like, oh yeah, that was a great short few story or, you know, that was, oh wow, what a, what a great arc he went through there. It's just, it's a cool idea for a Sonic comic. You know, it's like, oh, you, good animals fight bad robots. It's like the most obvious idea in the world. What if there was a good robot? You know, what if, oh, you've got these <clears throat> animals trapped inside the robot. So what if one had its free will? Yeah. And it was a cool design. Knows, doesn't he? He knows the whole time. and He knows he'll never get out. It's like he's he can't just be bopped open like one of the other robots. And Sonic tries, I'm sure, at some point. Um, he's trapped in there and that's it that's him yeah so it's it's a good it's a good um it's a very marvel comics style origin story it's like oh this is how we got these powers but there's an element of tragedy to it just like there is with Mm -hmm. daredevil or iron man with his like dodgy heart or um you know they had all these um, characters with, with like his, an Achilles. Sorry. He has a dodgy with heart. Dodgy with his dodgy heart. Yeah, yeah. This dodgy heart. Dodgy <laughs> Look, I'm heart. not a doctor. Uh, this one up. It's, we like the drums on it, but that's it's too much. The one up. We need the just the ring for dodgy heart. Okay. Yeah. So the, the okay G- number uh, three, Lee. Wait up. Um, oh. Oh shit. No. Um, yeah. So short fuse because he's got a cool design. That was it. <laughs> Is is a cool cool robot. 
I want an action figure of it. Yes. It was yeah. a great design. Yeah. A really great design. And then um he gets like a fancy paint job, doesn't he, which really helps him pop a little bit. Yeah, he gets new boots, he gets more red bits, and yeah, then it really clicks. Then it goes from being a strong design to a like really excellent design. And um yeah, it I I think it was Bob Corona was the first artist to draw him, so working off of Lou's designs. So he looks like a Sonic character more <clears> so than the characters Richard Elson would draw. Yeah. Like the like the redesigned Poker Lewis and Johnny Lightfoot, who were just the humans with animal heads. Um Short Fuse, he looks like something that could conceivably be in the Sonic game. So um I think the same could be said for Techno as well. Um but Short Fuse is the one I want an action figure of, so Short Fuse is my number two. Cool. Number three. No, num- number three. Well, it's Captain Plunder, isn't it? Yeah, go on. You can't choose the one yeah. I chose. That's bollocks. You've got to do your well, own. <laughs> ah, but it, but it is Captain Plunder, isn't oh, it? Oh, right. Yeah, go on. There's Captain I mean, Plunder. It He's is. good. Okay. He's good, isn't he? Wait, yeah. okay. Okay, so I'll do, a, I'll do a number four, just so we've got Thank three you. original right. choices. Right. Um. So again, this is, this is another... This is another Lou Stringer character. Um, so, like, I I prefer Nigel's stories, but it's like the core characters are the game characters and the supporting casts and the antagonists just like playing that role. Um, Lou Stringer introduced a villain called Metamorphia. Oh yeah, okay. So, I mean, first of all, she was a girl villain. So. That was interesting in and of itself. You didn't see much of that in what's essentially like considered like it was, my words. It, it was a boy's yeah. property. Yeah. It was like, oh, Sonic, yeah, that's a boy's comic. Yeah. And we don't think train, that, dear listeners. We don't, we don't think, think that. that but, but you know, it's it's like, oh, you look in like yeah. the Argos catalog, it'll be like, oh, yeah, boys' toys, yeah. you know, Sonic. Um, so yeah, you didn't you didn't see that often to have a female villain who wasn't like a femme fatale. Yeah. She was she was just like a superpowered baddie. Um she was a shapeshifter, um, like a mutant kind of shapeshifter that was created by Dr. Robotnik's head scientist assistant sidekick grimer we've somehow not mentioned yet oh yeah how can uh, you not mention grimer grimer's fantastic yeah so yeah. yeah grimer he's um this green sort of bow tie white suit scientist guy he's robotnik's um head scientist he's like mm. the second in command um he was originally supposed to be snively then they were like oh no we can't use snively make up a new character instead so we got grimer um i like him more than snivelly because grimer, yeah, grimer seemed better. like he had a bit a bigger he had a better head on his shoulders grimer like he was he was a scientist he was like robotnik scientist igor type character rather than just some weird little fucking big nosed little yes sir little fucking annoying what even was he he was just a little let's just have an annoying little fucking prick some like some little fucking Sorry, I'm getting really, I'm really upset about this, and I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. But that's how vexed I am by this whole situation. He's basically like a scrappy dude, 
is what he well, is. Well, this this is a good transition into uh, the last gas, which is oh, shit. The least, your least favorite character or least favorite aspect uh, hot take on this because we've been covering the high points. All right, then. But certainly there's got to and and you know we'll do get we to have, this for like an Archie episode. Do we have to wrap? Okay, we'll talk. Do we have to wrap up? Because we could talk about this all fucking. Yeah, we could keep on going. I've still got more to say about Metamorphia. He's gonna talk about Metamorphia. Sorry, I was getting <laughs> I was getting vexed. Yeah. So I apologize. Talk about Metamorphia. Grime is my number right. four. Listen, before before we started, you were like you guys were like, all right, we we're gonna try to keep it to like an hour this time. I mean, I'm oh, fine to keep going. Fuck it, man. Soon we'll get there. We'll at least let Lee finish his thing. God, stop interrupting him. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> no, but Grime is my number four. There you go, Lee. Please carry on. I apologize. Oh yeah, Grime is great. Um, so yeah, Grime. Metamorphia. Um, it was like okay, cool. It's it's a cool power set to like put against Sonic. It's like oh, she's a shapeshifter. Know, like shapeshift. It's like aha, I'm a now I'm a gas. What can you do about this? And then Sonic like makes a cyclone, and she's like, oh no, I didn't anticipate this. Um, <laughs> And then they do the story where it's like, oh, she disguises herself as like Tails or Sonic's long lost brother or, you know, all, all, the, all the like shapeshifter type stuff. Um, it's always a fun power set. Um, but then the other element of her, of her character they introduced later was that she was kind of in love with Dr. Robotnik. She like really admired him and she really wanted to earn his favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but Robotnik was like a complete dick. It was like, Oh, you failed me again. And oh, you're just a monster. You're like, a, you're not even a person. You're just a thing. And um, yeah, she, so she fails and fails. And eventually there's a tale story um, where he's fighting this super powerful badnik ends up defeating it and um, then you find out that the bat the badnik was metamorphia who'd like trapped inside like metamorphia had been depowered oh. for failing too often yeah. and turned into a badnik and it's like oh shit that's like really that's really heartless and really ruthless um you know that this this person that's been created and to adores Robotnik, and he would just like, yeah, take her powers away. You fail too much, turn you into a bad Nick, forget about you. And yeah, then she decides, oh, she's done with Robotnik. She was a fool to, she was a fool to like him. And um, then she does end up transforming one last time. She transforms into this like cute little like bear girl who was her first disguise in the original story story that introduced her so it came full circle and she got a complete character arc yeah um which was something you didn't see often so um so yeah lou stringer he was good at introducing these original characters and he's a top bloke as well oh he's a great bloke i'll rate him yeah and i just want to touch on very quickly as well that like yes sonic was a prick in in this comic but robotnik was just out of control he was just cold as hell, wasn't he? You know, he at no point, apart from the maybe the very, very early issues where he's a bit more Looney Tunes, goofy, you know. Uh, you know, the early Archies, he's very fucking cartoonish. You know, in this, from almost from the get-go, almost from word one, he is just a real piece of shit. Just a absolutely heartless, like you say, he's just scheming, conniving. He's, you can never trust him. He never does some Sonic Boom shit where he's just like, Sonic, I need somewhere to stay while my house is being repainted or anything. Like he's just 
he's just like fuck Sonic I'm gonna kill him I'm gonna fucking kill him I'm gonna kill his mates I'm gonna make him watch like he just hates him hates him hates him hates him and hounds him and never lets up not one time and it's it's mad <laughs> he's he's a real real piece of work um they did and that well. And it wasn't just please like it was in the cartoon show where he's just like an evil guy in a chair who like shouts at his monitor and like twirls his mustache. Yeah. They played him as like an actual fascist character. That's what I mean. Uh, I, I mentioned it earlier on. Yeah. He was just like, he, he's got his troopers just going around booting people's doors in, you know, burning their houses down. And like, he's, yeah, he's actively fucking things up constantly. Like, yeah. So, so that, that was my first issue, my first... Well, I had issue five when I was, like, on holiday as a kid, but oh, issue yeah. 21 was my first real issue. And the first panel, it's, like, almost the entire page is... There's a, like, flying ship and a bunch of, like, troopers, robotics, like, robot troopers are coming down, mm-hmm. kicking down the door to Amy Rose's house. And they're yeah. like, Amy Rose, you're under arrest for associating with sonic the hedgehog for because she was telling everyone that she was sonic's girlfriend of course and it's like yeah that's just that's like real fascist behavior yeah yeah and um like the it was very in the vein of 2000 ad and that the kind of strips you'd see in that it was 2000 ad but for kids like for you know eight to 12 year olds like kind of range and then you then grow up and perhaps actually move on to 2000 ad and read more about fascism in the adventures of judge dread perhaps yeah absolutely that was <laughs> sorry um, dread fans think, out there i do love, love that comic but yeah and I, th- I think that was that was an important part that sonic the comic plays to the to the like British comics industry, mm. you know, industry as much as it was, you know, he had like yeah. a dozen titles at any given time. Um, you know, you would have your Beano and your Dandy for your little kids, and then you'd have 2000 AD for teenagers and adults. Sonic the comic bridged that gap. Mm. Definitely. It played a very important part and they took it seriously. The guys that made this, I really wanted to stress this. I mentioned it quite a bit, but I really want to stress this. You know, the writers, the artists, uh, the letterers, the editors, everyone involved in that publication wanted to make a seriously high quality product. And I think more often than not, if not all the time, they succeeded. You know, if I can touch upon the artwork, it was a huge, huge inspiration to me as a kid. And I then went on to then produce artwork my own and, um, and not just fan art, although I did, you know, cut my teeth with a lot of, uh, um, well, I won't get into it. It wasn't furry stuff, I promise. Uh, <laughs> not, not, all, not when I, yeah. Can, um, can I, can I just say touching on that point? Please do. Um, Let's change the subject. <laughs> no, it's still furries. Oh um, God, okay, fine. No, so you did see a lot of that in the Archie comic where it's like, you would have like these sexualized images of Princess Sally Acorn. Okay. Um, you know, it would be like oh, in the comic, at... or yeah, in the I comic. I didn't read that issue. Be... I don't know. Well, they gave her titties. Like... Sorry, yeah, no, they did. They gave her titties. Yeah, they didn't they'd have be to like... do that. They'd, they'd draw her like very sheeply, and yeah. 
Sorry, yeah, I'm not course. saying you That's can't. I'm not saying you can't have a nice way of saying cheap it, wee furries in comics. Um, I'm just saying you could tell that they were into it when they're drawing it. They're like, <laughs> yeah. they're Jesus like, Christ. oh yeah, they yeah. they were they were into it. Um, every one of them, but we didn't get that in the UK comic. No, I respect. They were, that. Yeah, they were. They, Even yeah, though they were, it's still like animal heads on human bodies, which is kind of what they're doing with like it's it's they're drawing like. They want to be drawing like superhero comics. Yeah, I mean, that's why you get the like the ridiculous panels of like hyper tails or something with his giant Hulk body and <laughs> yeah, all that. Uh, right, that was, but... you know the American creators wanted to do like Star Trek and superhero books. I think. Yeah, uh, at least our, from that. I think they were under no illusion about what comic they were making. They were proud, at least proud, to be doing a good job at what they were doing, whether or not. Yeah, you know, perhaps they wanted to be on two thousand like that... instead, but. Yeah, that comes. That could definitely comes through. Yeah, yeah. And, it's like when they when they did redesign Amy Rose, she you know she was she was just like a cool character. It was just yeah. like oh yeah, it's this like cool hero character. They weren't like oh if she wears like a crop top and if she's like you know a candy kong or whatever. You yeah, know, they never they never went down yeah, that road point. with Amy or Techno or or any of the characters really. Any of the characters, like any even even characters, characters like we um, had Ebony the cat who was Ebony like the cat of, was a cool character. Yeah, and, she was um, a bit pajamas. of a Doctor Strange and pajamas her friends. Yeah, um, we haven't even got to those were, yet, have we? Yeah, they <laughs> they were drawn more human more humanoids um, just because they were designed by different artists. Mm. Um, but even then, they weren't sexualized. They weren't like, "Oh, hey, look at look at her." Whereas mm. some of the Archie stuff in the late nineties and early two thousands, there was some thirsty artwork. Yeah, which and there was wasn't no really appropriate. There was no romance bullshit. There was no like, "Will they? Won't they?" With Sonic and Amy, it was just cool adventure books about interesting characters that they didn't jam yeah. or shoehorn all that fucking romance or ham you guys dodged all of the the royal intrigue yeah um we didn't have none of, of that of the sonic events they really ha- yeah. but they really uh you know to i'll get back into the artwork in a second because i really do want to you know i want to get into that um they didn't they 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 really hammered home the fact that Sonic and his pals were alone in this world, especially up until point 100, you know, episode 100. Um, uh, the, the Bob Beaky era, as I like to refer to it. So um, when Sonic got his kind of core group together, at one point their base gets completely destroyed and they go on the road uh, as a traveling circus and they're all dressed up in, in costumes and Sonic is dressed, you know, they're wearing like fake mustaches and Tails is a clown, I think. Knuckles, um, sorry, Johnny's a strong man. Amy's like a fortune teller, which is nice because that's with her whole tarot card thing from the, the Sega CD manual and all that. And Sonic is completely disguised. He can't just wear a mustache because he's the most recognizable character on the planet, um, bar maybe Robotnik himself. So he's completely dressed up in like a big woolen hat, mittens, a big furry coat, and sunglasses and a fake be- uh, beak. So he's he's like a penguin character called Bob Beaky, and uh, and they go around in this uh, caravan, in, completely in disguise, um, trying to you know liberate these villages and, and save these people from this fucking fascist bastard, Doctor Robotnik. Uh, and you never had that kind of like, oh, they'll just go back to the kingdom of Acorn, and there's like a whole fu- you know he's got his whole fucking squad, his elite fucking crack team of like you know commandos and that 
um, lead, you know, with like Jeffrey Sinjin and all that. He didn't have none of that shit. Yeah. Sonic and his mates, there was five of them or whatever, and they were alone on this planet. And they had to they had to just get it done, you know. And that I think that really hammered home that aspect, um, which was perhaps earlier on in the Saturn cartoon, I think it was more prevalent in the in the Archie books earlier on, perhaps as well. Um I think it made for a stronger story, it made for a stronger position um for the characters to be in, um, from a story standpoint. Yeah. Waffle. Yeah, it's interesting. Waffle. I was just reading that Bob Beaky um, okay. issue as we were as we've been recording this. I've been trying to do my homework since I didn't okay. have a chance to read this. That's why you've been so quiet. Of recording. Uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> well that and you know like I've never really read this comic before, so I mm. don't feel like I have like a lot of opinion to weigh in here on this topic. But I did actually have a question, uh, Josh and Lee, for y'all especially. Okay. But sure. so like, how do you fit these uh, stories and characters in with the games? Like, do you consider mm. this? like a side universe or something like that? Or as a kid, did you imagine that this characterization of Sonic was the one that was depicted in the games and all these other characters existed in that universe? And like, has that changed for you uh, like more recently or in adulthood? Well, I mean, I did mention that earlier. I feel like you haven't been listening to this podcast, Nathan. Um, well, I've been I, reading the comic. Yeah, I, know, I know, I can tell. No, you're all right, mate. Um, no, I, I briefly touched on it earlier on, but no, I would say that um, I recognize that yeah, the Saturn universe, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, all that other gear, Sonic Underground even, all that was separate, you know. Um, but to me, and maybe it's because they they really put the effort in uh, visually, especially to make it look like the games, you know, as um, Lee, and I always get this the wrong way around. It was Nigel played the games and then taped it and sent it to Richard Elson. Is that right? Yes. So the writer, Nigel Kitching, would play the games. He would record them on VHS, then he would send them to the artist, VHS. Richard Elson, and in his script, he'll write, oh, refer to the VHS for this, refer to the tape, There's mm. yeah, this is on recording. Um, he could never get a time stone on Sonic CD, though. So in the script for that, he said, oh, sorry, Richard, I could never actually beat one of these special stages, so Thanks, just draw like a it. stone. Yeah, so the time stone... That Richard Elson drew was just like a large pebble, literally a stone. Yeah, which was a shock to me when I played Sonic CD for the first time when I was like twenty. Um, yeah, and they were just Chaos Emeralds essentially. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, so he would, yeah, as you say, he would tape him playing the game and send it to Richard Elson, who would then draw it f- completely f- with reference to that tape. So when he was in a zone, and more often than not, especially in the earlier years, maybe you know the first fifty or so issues. Um, a lot of it was taking place in and around the zones from the game. Um, and it, it to me, just felt like it would absolutely just slot in perfectly, like it was a perfect accompaniment. This was happening in the background. When you turn the Mega Drive off, this is what was happening, you know, at the time as well. Some of the characters were a little bit fucking wacky. You had like the Marxio brothers, for example, in the Casino oh, Night storyline. Um, they were great. Were they? So, <laughs> we talk y- about the yeah, Marxio yeah. brothers for a second, just briefly. Yeah. Okay, so um, Josh, do you want to go or shall I? Oh, I'm always talking. Okay, well, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. Okay, right. Sure. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Go on. You guys are much better about not interrupting. Thanks. So, the Moxio Brothers, if you're a kid reading the comic, they're 
oh, it's like they're the Mario Brothers, but yeah. there's three of them, and they're baddies, and they're electricians instead of plumbers, and they run the casino night zone and later the carnival night zone. So you're a kid reading this, and it's like, oh, yeah, they're like the Mario Brothers, but Sonic fights them. Um, oh, they're not the Mario Brothers, they're the Marxio Brothers. Then you go back to it as an adult, and you're like, oh, holy shit, they're a combination of the Mario Brothers and the Marx Brothers. Yeah. You know, so like Groucho Marx, you know, Chikio, um, sorry, Chico, Harpo. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so you had <laughs> oh, Groucho. They were like Groucho. Marxist Marios. They weren't even. They were. Well, the, the Marx Brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like. But my dad loved the Marx Brothers, though, as a, as a kid. And we grew up watching the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy. So thankfully, I did actually manage to get that. And I was, if anything, I probably got the Marx Brothers thing more than the Mario because, you know, we, we grew up without a uh, Nintendo entertainment system in the house. So, um, yeah, much more familiar. I mean, you know, you know who Mario is, don't you? But I definitely got the, it was fairly explicit in the design as well, to be honest, mate, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it was like... They had the Mario overalls, like the dungarees, and um, they all had like the mustaches. But then also, they were the they were the Marx Brothers. Yeah, literally. And... Like, I even had a cigar and everything. The Grouchio character had a fucking cigar, which wouldn't fly in today's climate. Certainly not in a children's book. But it's a different time, wasn't it? The nineties. It was a wild. It was a raw time. It was. Uh... Yeah, I I feel like up to the mid nineties was the last time you could really do that. Was yeah. the last time you could have a character like smoking a pipe or a cigar or um, I, I don't know. Did did the professor in Powerpuff Girls have a pipe? I can't remember. But oh, fuck knows. They, it's been a while. Then they, they Maybe, just stopped. Yeah. yeah, they just sort of stopped doing that after a while. Like yeah, probably yeah, the pictures chest, of like though. tobacco usage. Yeah, in children's yeah. Media. Like, I don't think you see, like, J. Jonah Jameson with a cigar or anything anymore. And, oh, uh, yeah. But do, yeah, you, so, do you see him with any pictures of Spider-Man? That's all he, he ever wants. He wants them. He wants, them. He wants, <laughs> he wants his wants fucking them. pictures, doesn't he? It feels like he never has enough because he just can't, yeah, can't ever stop asking What's for What's he them. doing with all those pictures? Can't get enough. That's what I want to know. He's got a big folder. A real Ooh, big folder. I bet he has. I bet he has. Yeah. It comes out on special occasions. Dirty bastard. Yeah. He's got them categorized out into like feet picks folders and stuff. <laughs> it always comes back to the feet so picks, it's the, and it's true. Can we not on this one podcast, please? We'll get. Well, yeah, how is how how are Sonic's British feet? We Don't never got that. to see them, thankfully. We, are you sure about that? We sort sort of in one I read earlier, but oh it wasn't really God. Sonic. It was um. Now they had a simulation of the Death Egg. It's like they don't tell oh, you it's yeah. a simulation until the end. That is a hot. Yeah, but, let's talk about that. That's a horrifying. That's yeah. a standout book. That one. Yeah, is this, yeah. Is that one of the early ones where Tails Tails first appears as half robot? No, it's um, much later. No, no. It's like um, issue forty so it, something. Yeah, I think it's issue forty-five around thereabouts. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just like I read that oh. One. Yeah, it's like the Death Egg is launching, and it's like, oh no, the Death Egg's finally here, and he's Robotnik's firing on the Emerald Hill Zone, and Tails is like, oh, I can fly, and then he just, just like, yeah, just gets obliterates Tails. Like, yeah. yeah, Tails just like, it's like you see the little, like, you know, where the drover lines, it's like, yeah, it's like the lines. Completely and then there's that for Sonic. Too. You see Sonic get obliterated, Sonic, and his yeah. socks and his gloves blow yes, off. Yes, they're all getting yeah, yeah, ripped yeah, off see, and everything. He's just been blasted by this laser, yeah. Yeah, so you do see, as his shoes are getting torn apart, you do see his, like, 
the, you see the blueness of his feet. You, you just see, okay, he's got like blue feet under there. You don't see any toes. So Richard Elson, he you don't see any toes. Off line. And it, there is, I don't think you see the feet, but I, but in one of the ones that, the, the, I think the first appearance of Tails is he's Robo Tails in issue two. Robo and in that Fox. one, he's also mm. yeah, Robo that's Fox right. by Thank Mark you. Miller. Uh, he's also changing his shoes in that one. He wears he wears out two pairs of shoes in that issue. Oh yeah, he's that's trying true. the new fancy shoes that he wears out. That doesn't contribute to the plot in any way at all. No, do they ever bring it over again, or does he just like wear normal uh, shoes from then on? Just just his normal shoes, but they don't even do anything in that story. <laughs> He's, it just yeah. Sonic's just like, hey, I've got some cool shades, and I've got some cool new trainers, and it, the shades come out of nowhere too, mm. that, uh, which I appreciate in that uh, sequence of events is. He's talking to maybe Johnny Lightfoot or there's somebody who's like, you don't know who I am? Just immediately has sunglasses on. Ridiculous. He's yeah. Just, they were, the more so quick. You can see it. That's what it is. I think like the, like those kinds of stories in those super early issues. Um, so like all the stories in the first 20 issues that weren't written by Nigel Kitching, they were sort of the antithesis of what everyone would do with it later. Um, it's like Josh was saying, the core creative team and editorial team of the comic later on they would take it seriously they'd like put so much like passion in it and take real pride in it and just deliver the best comics they could um a lot of those stories like robofox it's just like oh yeah whatever i'm doing like some kids comic for like some some like video game or whatever yeah whatever it's just a paycheck and yeah, yeah they, it just, they just felt disposable and there was like little thoughts put into it. So, yeah, you, you would get things like that. You're breaking up. You sound a bit like a Robo Fox yourself, though. I think you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, shit. It's Robotnik. That's fucking. I knew it. He's being roboticized. Don't listen to this guy. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, and some of the, the real standout ones for me um, in that way as well. Um, I don't want to get. Oh, fuck it. Fuck, fuck spoilers. This, this comic's been out for 25 years. Um, after the. There's an amazing run after the Sonic 3 and Knuckles adaptation that you then have Chaotix is involved. And then Knuckles, after going through that crazy adventure, heads back to his home, the floating island, of course, as it was known, uh, meets Dr. Zachary, who went on to become a bit of a fan favorite character, uh, uh, who's another echidna, you know, and of course, it's really hammered home that he's alone. Knuckles is alone on this planet. He's been alone uh, forever, as far as you can remember. And Dr. Zachary appears. He's another echidna. You don't know where he comes from. He won't really tell you. He kind of manages to dodge it a little bit. Um, but he's um, he's a real piece of shit, as it turns out, uh, and is uh, in control of these ancient guardian robots that are part of the kind of defense system of the island and uses them to break the Master Emerald snaps it right in half and again you've had the last however many issues has been hammering home how important this jewel is it keeps knuckles's island in the sky dr robotnik was going to use it to power the death egg which is an incredible piece of machinery you know you know the power of this thing you know how important it is especially to knuckles he just turns up grabs it smashes it in half you know and it's just like a big and he gets a big no as well on that page it was a huge um, that cliffhanger. Was yeah. That was a long fortnight. Yes, that was that was tough. And then the planet, uh, the island immediately starts falling. Of course, um, a massive battle ensues. 
Um, the robot uses the power of the emerald, charges up and has a fight. Knuckles takes him out because he's a, he's a big tough boy. Ends up using the robot itself as the power source because it's still charged up with that energy. But it won't last forever. It's just keeping the island just hanging there. And he's like, I I've got to deal with this. I need to leave my island. Um, so he um, he heads off on a, on a grand adventure to go and get another Master Emerald. And, uh, you know, uh, he goes on this incredible journey to where the Emerald, he had learned that his people had originally carved it from this gem that was found in this land, this ancient land. And he has the head there. Uh, on foot basically um and and yeah find one and bring it back and um it's just this wonderful storyline and then from then on after that it leads sort of neatly into another one where he um gets it tangles up with captain plunder again my boy captain plunder goes on a big dimension hopping adventure um ends up with a big chest full of um, ancient scrolls that are sort of uh, regarding his island and, and secrets and maybe secrets of his people and then has to cart that fucking thing all the way back you know so just by foot again and along the way he gets into all kinds of scrapes has a fucking wild west adventure gets like in a wicker man situation with some crazy like possessed village um, gets into all kinds of scrapes doesn't he and uh, you know real real cool stuff for Knuckles um and also just standout artwork as well. I want to re I said I want to really talk about the artwork. Richard Elson, of course, is a mainstay of the series. Just did absolutely fucking fantastic work, especially in my I feel in the earlier issues when it was all hand drawn, hand coloured, hand painted. Just incredible stuff. Um but Nigel Dobbin's artwork. If I can talk about that man for a second, and Nigel Dobbin as well, who sadly passed away a couple of years back now. Um, who again Lee and I had the pleasure of meeting at Summer of Sonic. Yeah, he's um, such a, such a great guy. Um, yeah, I met, pleasant, I met him twice. Really yeah, yeah, I met him a second time at the STC twenty five convention. Oh yeah, and um, I didn't yeah, know that was on. Shit, I missed that one. Yeah, well, you I it was like a, it. It was a last minute thing mm. myself, like going there, like I wasn't going to, and then um, I forget what it was that sort of convinced me to do it last minute. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was doing free sketches for everyone. Um, you know, there's some other artists there, and it was like, okay, pay a fiver or a tenner or whatever, and that mm. was fair. Um, for whatever reason, Nigel Dobbin was like, he's like, no, I just love my fans and yeah. doing free drawings. And um, yeah, I managed to get one just like just at the very end. Um, oh, well I was done. the last. I was the very last person to get one. Um, and yeah, I was. I was like. It was like a few minutes before the convention was like ending. I was like, "Oh, have you? Oh, have you closed up now? Are you done?" It was like, "Oh, actually, I can do one more." <laughs> so, yeah. so he drew he drew me a knack. And oh wow, okay, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, he's really really great guy. Just really like, yeah, it was just like sort of the earth guy. Yeah, I think very grateful uh, and glad to be doing that job. You know, and he was proud of the stuff he did. And I think that really came across in his artwork. And I too. I'm very, very grateful and lucky to have some of his artwork. I have some of the original uh, page artwork um, framed uh, with a, a drawing of Dr. Robotnik he did for me. Um, and Because when I met him, I was like, yeah, come on, man, be a pal. Would you draw me a, a, a picture of a, you know, whatever? And he kind of asked who I wanted. And I said, well, who's your favorite to draw? Because as a, an artist myself, 
I know that if you enjoy drawing something, it's just going to come out in the drawing. You know, um, if you play music and you're enjoying the song you're playing, it's going to come out in the performance. Um, and the same with the artwork, you know, and I was like, who do you like drawing? He loved drawing Dr. Robotnik. That was his favorite character to draw. So I have a drawing of Dr. Robotnik on my wall as well. The dirty fascist bastard. Um, Dr. Robotnik, mind you, not Nigel. Um, and yeah, but his artwork was just an absolute standout to me. It was to me as a child. It is to me now. He just pulled out all the stops on that thing. It is absolutely beautiful in every sense of the word. It is just so striking. The use of color, you know, um, is all, what was it all? Uh, what did he even use? Was it acrylics? I think, I can't even tell. I think, but- I think both Nigel Dobbin and Richard El- Elson used acrylics. I okay. could be wrong there. Um, I always thought Richard Elson had much more of like a bolder comic book-ish style, whereas Nigel Dobbin yeah, I, I had could a painterly look to it. You know, it was just wonderful, like muted, warm colours. And uh, I just it just has to be seen to be believed. I don't know. I mean, I'm, and I'm really laying it on thick here, but... Um, there's a reason it why it starts with it. issue 65, right? Okay. That's what I'm flipping that through now. Uh, yeah. That's Dr. Zachary's first appearance yes. in the Knuckles backup story drawn by uh, Dobbin. No, Dobbin, yeah. So that's Dobbin. from that one onwards, yeah. And I think that was that his first issue or maybe one of his first? Because it, 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 I remember it just that, really standing out to me. I believe that was his first issue of Sonic the Comic. And previously, he'd done an issue of Sonic the Poster Mag. Okay, right. Um, um but really it was the it was the knuckles stuff um yeah he was he like, became I, the knuckles I, guy didn't he yeah yeah for that for that whole run um up to about around issue 100 or so mm. um then they sort of slowly phased out the knuckles strip for some reason yeah. even though he was like the second most popular character yeah, like yeah we knuckle it was great stuff that knuckles strip. His knuckles looks great too i like the uh mm. the style of his uh like what I notice a lot with Sonic Gum too is like you see a lot of um, poses that resemble the uh, the reference art or the official art, and then sometimes you see the artists in these in the later issues. I'm noticing you know strike more dynamic poses or do interesting things. And uh, like I'm looking at this panel right now of Knuckles like gliding through, breaking uh, uh, the wing of a uh, that, that's the robot. Bot. Yeah, that's that the, the robot. Guardian robot, the, the, thing. the one that yeah. destroyed the Master Emerald. Yeah, the yeah. really cool now it's bad arms. robot. Uh, yeah, I noticed that those two standout artists. I feel you know they um, they really did their own thing. They were they were just artists. They're just pure artists, you know. Yeah. Um, some of the and other guys did some fantastic work. Roberto Corona as well was a standout for me. I thought he always did a fucking fantastic job, and he never, to my eye, leaned on the let's just copy some of the stock art and call it a day. And some of the artists, yeah, they were just turning in to get a paycheck. You know, it was just where's the reference stuff basically just everything looked like the cover of sonic 3d flicky's island at one point and it was just pretty miserable yeah i think like it's uncontroversial to say that richard elson and nigel dobbin were the best artists on the series yeah um you know which isn't to disparage the others like you were saying i think like bob corona he was great um especially later on he just like went from strength to strength i think um, who's the one did, really who did um that really nice strip that was set in the mushroom hill with predicto do you remember that guy that one that oh I, was that was that casanovas i believe um i could be wrong though i should probably look that one up i should yeah i'll, I'll look it up i've got the Jamie, get up on the, the screen wiki 
Oh, have you got it now? Cas- okay, Casanovas. Yeah, it was Casanovas. I so, love that. Yeah. That was that was a standout for me as well. Yeah, he was um he was one of the earlier artists as well. Um yeah, I never so so this is this is the thing. You had some tremendous artists like Casanovas, but his, the style wasn't really sonic to me. No. Um especially like the like the villagers and like the background characters, they would be very Disney, like very Bambi kind of look to them. Yeah. Um, but but it was really gorgeous artwork, just like super detailed, sort of like so much like love put into it, and just like really strong craft. Yes, um, it was it's just like really phenomenal stuff. Yeah, no, even if it wasn't necessarily the right fit for the comic, you could look at it and just really appreciate what was being done there. Yeah, they were guys that you know they weren't just doing it to put bread on the table; they were doing it because they loved making it. And I think it just really showed, certainly. And uh, and I, I feel lucky as a reader of that comic growing up to have read something of such high quality, you know, made by real artists, just true craftsmen, you know, that wanted to turn out a, a seriously decent fucking product, you know. They were proud of what they made. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was always a pleasure to read it. it was a, I'm proud that it was a... We didn't have much, let's be honest. We had that and some wacky uh, mega CD adverts. All right, and we had Sega World as well, to be fair. It wasn't bad. Being a Sega fan in the UK, it wasn't too bad, actually, let's be honest. Uh, and so that's why I'm kind of curious. Sega country, uh, right? Yeah, it kind of was, mate. Like, it really was. We just, you know, no one had a Nintendo. Um, I knew one kid, yes. and he was the weird kid. So fuck him. Um, ah, yeah, I know. Sounds like so, paradise. That's why I'm kind of curious as to what you guys think. Like, I know you have a very, only a cursory knowledge of, um, of of Sonic the Comic and everything, and it's kind of it's always fascinating to me to talk to American folks and be like, so what? Apart from Super Sonic's evil and you know all that, like, what what do you think of it? Like, how does it? What stands out for you? Oh, I was going to give any, Grant any an Americans? opportunity to yeah. speak. I think Grant's yeah, still reading uh, the fucking comic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've still been reading it in okay. between all this recording. But yeah, you know, I, it was something that I don't think I had much awareness of until probably like uh, started when we started posting on the GHZ forum and mm. uh, the folks there. You know, we have a very international crew kind of like all over the world. And so like hearing yeah. about the perspectives of Sonic Media from other people around the planet was very interesting. And that was probably my first exposure to it. I think back in the day, right. This was like early two thousands internet. It was not as easy to get access to materials like that. While today it's kind of a trivial affair to just download the entirety of the comic (laughs) and all that. So even back then I was not able to like really read it or anything like that. So I think mostly what I had access to was like maybe some panel scans and stuff like that, whatever people were sharing back then. So my, Mm -hmm my perspective on the comic was kind of just like this. Oh, it's a, there's a British version of the comic about this character and Sonic's a dick in it. And I think that was basically <laughs> most of my knowledge about it. That was the takeaway. Yeah. Um, that's why it's always fascinating to me. Which is appealing. So, I like it. Um, yeah. how are you, how are you getting yeah, I've, I, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative of listening to you guys, uh, wax on about it because it makes mm. me more interested and, and feel like I have more of a I'm more excited now to jump into specific, like specifically, I want to like read a lot of these knuckles backup stories oh, or yeah. not back. I don't know. Like that's just the format of it. These knuckle stories, the, the Nigel Dobbin, I, I, cause I'm looking 
looking at it now, I really, really appreciate the art and uh, I love the idea of Knuckles having like an expanded lore and the Archie series obviously went one way with it with mm-hmm. uh, obviously Penders for a while uh, and then in a different direction later. But um, when they went in a different direction later, it seemed like they were mostly almost kind of adapting in their like Dr. I think it's Phenitvis. Fin- and then later is is like doing dr zachary but i've never actually properly read yeah uh i think like straight through i i was interested in the adaptations first so i i started there with my read through and then sort of just kind of just randomly because i lee, lee gate you gave us some some recommendations but also you essentially recommended the entire series you're like okay well here's the <laughs> yes. but it was actually just like I, issues like <laughs> one through 150 and it's like okay all right yeah, i can so do I, this I gave, I gave you the outlines of like yes there were, there's all the backup stories that sort of don't really matter and there'd be the loose string stories that only mattered to his own stories it's they stayed in their own lanes like nigel kitchen did his thing loose stringer did his thing occasionally there's overlap for like an anniversary issue or whatever um but yeah it's, yeah. it's there's so much great stuff it's hard to really sort of narrow it down I do appreciate as somebody who has, you know, very little exposure to both the Fleetway Sonic comic and the Archie Sonic comics. And I, I just in the past couple months, you know, I've started dipping my toe into the waters for both of them that the Fleetway Sonic comic, like right off the bat, just kind of jumps right into kind of like game based stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like it has a much stronger start than the Archie comic, which is just kind of the very the first several issues of that are just kind of. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just kind of like lightweight, almost nonsense. Or whatever. It feels <laughs> yeah. insubstantial. It was too, that was my takeaway from it. It was just too silly for me. And it was too, it was just too goofy. Like I know that some of the, especially the backup strips in, in Sonic the Comic were a little bit silly and especially quite heavy with the, the you know, the British lingo and all that as well. So a little bit impenetrable to the outsider perhaps. And it's, it's a little bit, a little bit silly. It's all, all the characters are all oh, crumbs. Ooh, uh, misses. It's all a bit, you know what I mean? It's all a bit, it's very British, let's be honest. I like that. I'm glad. I'm glad that <laughs> translates. Um, but for me, yeah, there was too much of like winking at the audience. This is a comic. Hey gang, hold on to your spats. We've got to go and get those rings and chaos emeralds. Cause it's a Sonic the Hedgehog book, you know, press the buttons on. And it's like a fucking controller on the page and they're like press the buttons to help me get the thing and i'm like are you fucking kidding me like i it's it was like it was just treating me like an idiot yeah whereas what i'm saying is this the the, the sonic the comic was an accompaniment a companion to that thing it was the further adventures of the guy that you were seeing do this heroic shit and helping him do that then he was also meanwhile you know the adventure you know the carries on the the battle continues the robotnik is still taking over the planet he's still fighting he's still trying to save the world save the people it felt like it just took itself a bit more seriously especially as it progressed you know um but then but then again i think it kind of started like that as well a little bit maybe without as much winking at the audience but still a little bit but um i don't know both fleetway and archie definitely start a little jokier but yeah the the styles of humor are are quite different it's very yeah what i hate very like news they're, they're they're just as bad as each other and they're just as good as each other perhaps like you know but <laughs> If I can at least, and I know I keep harping on about the artwork, but like I really appreciate what they did with the artwork in the Sonic the Comic. I feel like it was absolutely standout stuff. 
across the board. Um, whereas I feel like the Archie comics kind of fell flat on that. It looked a little cheap to my eye, you know. The, the Dave Manic stuff, I agree, but the Scott Shaw early stuff had a lot of dynamic uh, stuff that was that was uh, not just relying on on redrawing the uh, yeah the official art. And it was you could tell like he had some like a- animator chops or something. That the original. Yeah. I mean, I I won't. I, I don't disagree about like the the sort of the tone of the jokiness, kind of yeah being sort of too childish or just sounding like old people trying to be childish or yeah everyone was like the way that sonic's attitude comes across as as like very catchphrasey whereas yeah, yeah i don't know I, the the bluntness and uh the 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 like more edge attitude of of just a rude sonic a a border like he's he tests your ability to like him but you yeah how can you hate him how can how can you hate that face how can you hate that yeah. uh, that spinning ball um he was cocky. He was yeah. arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's I like a had, step beyond confident. Yeah. I always had banter. And that felt real. You know, it didn't it didn't feel just like, Whoa, hey guys, I'm a cool dude. It was it, it was just like, no, they had like this proper banter between mm-hmm. Sonic and his friends. Yeah, it did feel a lot more take, natural. A lot of taking the piss. And they took the piss. They did take yeah. the piss. Yeah. That was yeah, and that was always the frustration with like the Western, with the like cartoon or the Archie books. Is Sonic always felt very removed from this cast, who seemed like they should exist almost without Sonic. Sonic seemed like he sticks out, whereas Sonic of Sonic kind of d- does feel more like in an, at least a, you know um, for a while until he starts sticking out more. It feels like an inhabitant of the world. As but I mean to your earlier point, also very alone and you know sort of a mutant in a in a way. Uh, um. I, I, I like the way from what I've read that the way Fleetway sort of handles that angle a bit more. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to dive into more, but listen, yeah. we've been recording for almost two hours. What do you think? Oh, not again. Take a temperature check. Not again. Want, should we should, at some point we have to stop it. Yeah. Let's just do I it. Have to, I hate to break it. To you. I, I, will, mean, I will say we could, we could, we do many more episodes. We can always it. do part two and part three about this. Uh, yeah. About the comic for sure. Yeah, sure. Can I defend so, myself oh, at least a little bit? I just want to say that firstly, I, love some of the comics so i just want to talk about it forever and ever i was really looking forward to this one and i know we'll, we'll maybe do it again sometime but the other one is is that i listen to bill burr's podcast quite a lot because he's a funny guy and uh and his episodes range from an hour all the way up to two hours i feel somewhat vindicated now i think we're probably going to be okay oh i thought you were going to tell us about bill burr's opinions on Sonic. The oh Comics. yeah and bill burr <laughs> Things were like, wow. <laughs> no, I mean, he's yet to talk about it, but he does it's like one punch. Simon X. <laughs> yeah. Amy Rose, this this fucking hedgehog, Amy Rose, she's just this lady. Um <laughs> sorry. Um sorry, Bill, if you're listening. He probably isn't. He's probably not listening, is he? All right, fine, we'll probably call it a day. Not. Let's call it a day. It <laughs> is 1 a.m. here, so I should probably shut the fuck up. Oh my gosh. Oh yep. sorry. It's all right. I love right. the comic. Let's uh... last gasps. Last gasps. Well, we've done that already. Right. I think we did the last gasps. Yeah. That was the whole episode. Was yeah. the last gasp. <laughs> I mean, I, do you feel like there's anything left unsaid in terms of like your overall? I feel like you you guys both gave a good overall. Yeah, we, sense covered, of it. we covered pretty much the first. That was just the first fifty episodes. Episodes <laughs> issues. Sorry, yeah, you know we about. we didn't mention the Draken Empire. We didn't talk about Draken Empire. We didn't talk about Sonic getting trapped in the special zone uh that whole arc with lord sidewinder we didn't talk about doomsday oh mate there's a lot there's a lot of ground to cover so um chaos we'll, we'll get into we'll it we'll do we'll do an and knuckles episode oh, uh, okay lovely. so let's 
All right, let's rate our episode. Uh, time bonus, negative uh, 5,000. Yeah. yeah, we fucked that up. Ring bonus. Yeah, I heard Nathan. It. Oh, he's Nathan's doing it. Wait, which which bonus do I do again? I You're doing the ring bonus. I forgot. Sorry. Oh, ring bonus. Oh, ring bonus. Were you uh, counting? Were you counting the rings? I was not. Absolutely not at all. There um, were at least ten of them. Sure. Okay. Ring bonus ten. <laughs> really good conversation. A lot of deep dive into this very interesting topic. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> ten is a terrible score for a ring bonus. I think that I think you're looking for like ten thousand. Ten rings is how many? One thousand. Like I don't. I don't know how that number is calculated. Haven't you played a Sonic game before, really Nathan? Come I'd never played just a thousand to the score screen, <laughs> and it's like I never cared about. He's just smashing the start button, like fuck this. Come yeah, on. like let me out. Let me play the next game. I really, yeah, I actually do not know what the math is for right. any of those bonuses. Reset. All right, well, you got a ten ring bonus. It sounds bad, but I think you, I think you meant it well. It's all yes, it was a good thing. It I didn't like a want this. I didn't want to go with score inflation in our first attempt at this. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got negative 5,000 and yeah. 10. Great. So we're at negative right. 4,900 cool or 4,990. Yeah. Cool bonus, Josh. Cool bonus. I'm going to give a cool bonus of out of, I don't know, cool bonus of 100 because the first 100 issues of Sonic the Comic were really good. In fact, fuck it. Cool bonus of 150 because the first 150 were fairly, fairly, fairly good. Um, and uh, maybe minus a couple of points because we're British. So how cool could we be? <laughs> eh? So, um, yeah, right? The scores are way too low. You got to be I'm going sorry. for like 100,000. Cool 5,000. All right. <laughs> All right. Cool bonus. 5 million billion. I don't know. Right. Do how, about, how about a guest bonus? Guest Lee. bonus? I think he's gone to bed. Oh, I'm I'm giving a bonus, right? Yeah. We did not discuss this. Sorry, mate. Um, guess no, wait, you're giving us a ranking. We... I'm giving you a rank. Yeah, that's what I agreed to. Out of six chaos emeralds, out of six six chaos emeralds, um, let's go for four chaos emeralds because we okay. didn't manage to cover the whole series, we and we're going to have to and knuckles it at some point. We'll do it again. So will... yeah, I think. We'll make a podcast that you can plug into another podcast to unlock the full adventure. <laughs> yeah, so I think overall that gives us a grade B for British. Nice. Yeah, that works. Ooh. All right. <laughs> That's the podcast. We're done. We're stopping.